can't see how they haven't come up with some kind of way to com combat these storms yet. They keep saying, uh, you know, two days ago, three days ago, oh, it's at this, but it's going to hit all this warm weather, all this warm weather and warm water. We have a Navy. Why don't the Navy come and drop ice in the warm water so it, that it can't get going as fast as it's going? An innovative solution offered up by an average everyday American there. Class A moron. It's going to take a fair amount of ice, sir. I, as a cocktail enthusiast, can tell you, if you have a cocktail that is, well, hundreds of miles across, <laughs> you're going to need a hell of a lot of ice. Also, from the It's a Big World and There are a Lot of Wackadoos in it department, thank you, everyone, and I mean everyone, who sent in the, the picture of the uh, emotional support horse on an American Airlines flight. It's uh, one of your mini horses. Cute little buggers, those mini horses. They are adorable. Oh, come on now. I don't know what sort of cruel bastard you'd have to be to not enjoy the, the sight of a mini horse. But Well, if I'm in the middle seat, I probably don't appreciate it very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, point of uh, order here. It looks like it's two across. Um, It's just two, not three seats across, so... It's a big gal. looks like a big gal. Is there with her, her mini horse. And even a mini horse is still, you know, horsey enough that it doesn't exactly fit in a seat. <laughs> so it's standing there. And it's, you know, if it was two guys in a horse suit, the bent over guy would be occupying the open seat. But the head and front legs guy was squarely in front of this gal who needs a support horse. <laughs> um, But, yeah, a lot of people took pictures of it. Uh, so. Uh, a flight from Chicago to Omaha. And, uh, yeah, people have been sending pictures of it. I have a dream. It's a beautiful dream. Oh, there it is in the airport, too. So people got a lot of different pictures. Cute little thing. I'll be danged. Or what the horse is thinking when it's on an airplane. The horse called Flirty has its own Twitter and Instagram accounts. Okay. Of course it does. Um, Flirty was fantastic and handled it like a pro, posted the crazy owner. Um, that being said, I'm going to keep traveling by car. It's just easier on flirty. Flying, it's easier on your horse to travel by car than fly. It's just too difficult to make sure flirty doesn't inconvenience other passengers. Well, for one, it can't put its arms up in the new x-ray scan machines. Right. I uh, saw no horses. No horses while traveling. I do have a beautiful dream, though, of... of... It's got to take its hooves off when it goes through... <laughs> Security? <laughs> no, it's got TSA pre-check. Okay, okay. It had better. Uh, I have this this dream of, of raising those little Irish cattle, little miniature Irish cattle, and, and uh, hire a bunch of tiny cowboys to ride on the miniature horses and round up that cattle. And I don't know, maybe it'd be little people, maybe it'd be uh, monkeys. <laughs> but I, I'd have a giant ranch. I mean, hundreds ahead of cattle, but it'd be like an acre. <laughs> it'd be a one-acre lot, I guess, suburban lot. Build some nice backdrops and film uh, movies there. I haven't figured out all of it. but That's my dream, too. <laughs> Maybe we could share in that dream together. Look, there's the captain and the crew uh, posing with the horse. They're pretty amused. I don't want no damn horse on my flight. I mean, let's face it. It's a cute little thing, but you know what horses do? They go. And they go wherever they want, and they don't even stop walking. That's how little they care. 
So uh, moving on to more <laughs> more substantive issues. Um, Joe Biden is is uh, it, it, the theme of Joe Biden says crazy stuff that may or may not be true. And uh, is it because he's old? Is it because he's just got no filter? Is he nuts? Uh, I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Well, okay, fair enough. So we've eliminated that possibility. But he uh, he told a story. He's been telling a story lately. And among others, the Washington Post called him out. Sean, can we hear the the original retell uh, the original telling of what he says happened with the the, the young uh, military hero? The four star general asked me whether I'd go up into the fob. Now everybody got concerned a vice president going up in the middle of this, but there was, we can lose a vice president. We can't lose many more of these kids. Not a joke. And it's the God's truth. My word is a Biden. He stood his attention. I went to pin him. I said, sir, I don't want the damn thing. Do not put it on me, sir. Please, sir. Do not do that. He died. So it's an amazing, dramatic story. You start with a four-star general saying to Joe Biden, the vice president, Hey, we want you to go to a forward operating base and give this guy a medal. And, you know, it's this Navy uh, captain and, and he just the incredible bravery and, and the rest of it and the, dr- the drama, the incredible drama of him insisting that the Veep not pin it on. Well, the problem is Joe Biden might have gone to forward operating base and he might have pinned a medal on a guy, and he might have met a Navy captain, and there might have been a guy who didn't want a medal, and but none of that like happened as he told it. According to the WAPO, who spoke to more than a dozen military and campaign sources, Biden got the time period, the location, the heroic act, the type of medal, the military branch, and the rank of the recipient, as well as his own role in the ceremony wrong now biden did award a medal to an army staff sergeant um at one point but the rest of it appears to be cobbled together from a bunch of different other incidents or just his imagination and he certainly didn't have a role in them and it didn't happen the way he he sold it so you know, and a lot of people are troubled about it. Is he just a liar? Was it self-aggrandizing? Is he confused because he's old? Uh, Biden responded to some of the questions in the WAPO's article. I was making the point how courageous these people are, how incredible they are. This generation of warriors, these fallen angels we've lost. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, what is it that I said wrong? And then... um do you have the uh, the reporter grilling him as well? Uh, I just have Brett Bear kind of bringing up the the same points you made about the, the yeah, three okay, errors. Fair yeah, okay, So yeah, he he got everything wrong, and and Jack thinks it's more that uh, Joe Biden's old and confused and can't remember what happened. Where I think he's got the Brian Williams disease. I think he's just so desperate to tell a story and be riveting and interesting and be the center of attention and give a great speech and the rest of it that he just. He weaves these things and just makes them up, essentially, out of rounds coming into the airframe. Right, exactly. Bodies floating by in the hotel. None of that ever happened. Brian Williams, he's just got this kink in his personality where he wants to be fascinating. Joe Biden is a politician. I think he's got it bad. Positive, Sean, you had a thought. And there's also this really fascinating thing about memory as 
the farther away an event is, you're not even really remembering the event. You're remembering kind of the last time you talked about the event. As you run out of hard drive space, your brain kind of combines folders into one zip drives. And th- like th- this is, well, it's, I think this is just a natural thing that memories do. But when you're on the biggest stage, it becomes increasingly clear that at what what is happening. And did you find that story self-aggrandizing? Four-star general asked him to go to a forward operating base, even though a lot of people thought it was dangerous. I said, I'll do it. And then the rest of the story is just made up? I f- that's, that's troubling. I believe him when he says that he was trying to highlight the valor of the people that he was addressing. When he when he said, you know, that people don't care if they Partly. lose a vice president. We can't lose another one of these kids. I I, I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt on that. At well, least. to yeah. me, that was that was way, way humble bragging. Right, right. They said it'd be dangerous. And I said, hey, that's fine. We can lose a vice president. We can't lose another one of these kids. But how are you saving them? By being there. Right. That's what just, was the option? One of them going up? Yeah, or, wait, yeah, were yeah. they going to kill somebody if you didn't show up? I don't get that. Uh, Mark Leibovich of the, well, who's he writing for now? The New York Times, um, who wrote the fabulous book, This Town, uh, which is the best book about Washington, D.C. in the swamp you have ever read, if you've read it or ever will, and you should read it. Um, he's talking about old Joe, and he doesn't think Joe wants to be the president. We'll talk about that. And totally uh, non-political stuff, too, coming up in a second. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. What has happened is when we run elections, it's always about dividing. Uh, I'm smart. You're not. Uh, I'm I'm uh, wise and you're you're dumb. It's not always pretty. It's not always civil. Well, welcome to democracy. You, once you said, an election's over, you go into governance. And it's not about divisiveness. It's about unity at that point. We no longer seem to go to governance. It's like we're in a constant election mode and constantly finding reason to cheer against each other instead of working together. In the military, you could not win on the battlefield. In a corporation, you could not win in the business place uh, with that sort of divisiveness inside. That's uh, James Mattis. Um, He's got a new uh, book that's out. Let's see. No, I don't have it. Um, uh, He's talking about all sorts of different things. He, uh, in, in the... Mainstream corporate media is very frustrated with this. Uh, He's uh, not going to criticize the sitting president. He thinks you really need to keep your mouth shut for a while and let events settle before, as a former uh, cabinet member, you start criticizing things. Um, He does take a shot at Barack Obama. Obama, uh, well, they mentioned in the uh, Washington Examiner, Obama has a single entry in the book's index. Obama, Barack, strategic thinking lacking. Um, uh, Mattis summarizes his time commanding CENTCOM in harsh terms. Uh, CENTCOM uh, oversees uh, middle, the Middle East and Central Asia. And he was doing that till Obama, uh, Obama fired him. It was to be a time when I would witness duty and deceit, courage and cowardice, and ultimately strategic frustration. Uh, you, you know I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. Obama said in fall 2012, as Mattis notes, I said I'd end the war in Iraq. I ended it. 
Mattis follows this up with the even more succinct statement, rhetoric doesn't end conflicts. Uh, He says uh, Obama and Biden were uh, ignoring reality in the country and made a political decision to withdraw troops. Um, And uh, in Washington, the debate swirled through 2011 about how many, if any, U.S. troops should remain in Iraq. Uh, he, he said that there was a fragile stability after the surge. Central Command, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the new defense secretary, Leon Panetta, who had replaced Bob Gates, continued to recommend to the White House retaining a residual force, as did Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. But they were talking to the wind. The White House dealt with Iraq as a one-off, as if the pullout of our troops there would have no regional implications. Reinforcing our allies' fears, we were abandoning them <clears throat> And he just couldn't get any uh, any traction at all and called uh, Obama's pullout a catastrophic mistake, historic consequences, etc. Um, he could also say that um, about George Bush's decision to go in and not really have a great plan uh, in the first place. Um, and he goes on in some detail about that. But uh, the book is mostly, I guess, about his career as a Marine, which I would like very much to read. And, and well, I'd like to hear his opinions on the Middle East, too, but... Uh, boy, if you want to, you know, if the answer on Jeopardy is uh, who perpetrated, well, no, the answer's got to be in the form of the, an answer, you idiot. Um, bad policies by both parties. Um, the question is, what's America done in the Middle East? Um, so there's plenty of blame to go around. But no, he's not going to really criticize Trump, apparently, right now. So you'll be disappointed by that. Uh, let's see what there was one more of his I wanted to hear. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Give me a uh, Mattis number two about uh, Fallujah. How does it feel to be told, "Uh oh, never mind"? You've got to have confidence. What you're doing is right, and if it's right to break the back of the terrorists, then do it. Just do it. Do it as well as you can. Protect the innocent to the degree you can, but don't get wobbly. When when the the going gets tough, and the Bush administration got wobbly, uh, yes, yeah, I think yeah, I think most military commanders, particularly those who have served for a long time, um, would tell you that civilian leadership is a great idea and it's completely necessary and it's probably really really frustrating too. Uh, speaking of civilian leadership, so old Joe Biden, uh, Mark Leibovich is writing about this in uh, the New York Times and. I guess the New York Times. Uh, Joe Biden gave a speech in some little town in Iowa, and somebody somebody asked him, how badly do you want to be president? Which, you know, it's like the question, why do you want to be president? That that famously stumped Ted Kennedy four years ago. And, and, you know, Hillary never answered it very well. But somebody asked him, how badly do you want to be president? And Joe Biden said, and I quote, I think it's really, really, really important that Donald Trump not be reelected. And then he uh, he thought about it. He went on, could I die happily not having heard Hail to the Chief play for me? Yeah, I could. That's not why I'm running. Which, you know, there's an appeal to the only guy who ought to be trusted with power is the guy who doesn't really want it. Although, you know, he has run multiple times. Um, but Leibovich writes, and Mark Leibovich wrote This Town, which is a great book about the swamp, D.C., where I actually spent my weekend. Um, and it's uh, quite scenic and enjoyable and swampy. Um, but why is he running, writes Leibovich? And is the singular nature of the opponent, uh, meaning it's Trump he's running against, 
be enough to take uh, to convince voters that Biden really wants to be doing this and he ought to be the guy. Remarkably, Biden stumbles to come up with a clear answer after all this time. His use of Mr. Trump as a campaign mission statement might be a good enough reason, at least to win him the nomination. Um, but uh, if that's all you've got, then do people turn out and vote for that? Well, you know, some will because, you know, there are plenty of people who are not big fans of Trump. But the idea of somebody who says, yeah, I, I, I'm running because the other guy's so bad. I mean, yeah. that's not much of a, a, a sales pitch. Um, clearly, other candidates have far more identifiable, uh, identifiable whys attached to their enterprises. And then he goes through Warren and Sanders and and. and even uh, but edge, 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 they say. Um, but uh, I think it's um, pretty, pretty salient that that they asked Biden a similar question. He said, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I hadn't planned on running again. They asked him if he'd right. be running against, say, Mitt Romney or Jeb Bush. Right. If it was a uh, typical Republican. He said, uh, I don't really know. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Marshall's News next. Armstrong and Getty. So we were talking about how Joe Biden was asked if a more conventional Republican were in the White right. House. Mitt Romney, say, or Jeb Bush, would you be running? And, uh, and his answer was... Oh, I'm not sure, to be quite honest with you. I hadn't planned on running again. And then they're talking to some of his crowds in Iowa, and he's doing fine. I mean, he doesn't have the rock star crowds like a Liz Warren or a Bernie has, but they mentioned that especially among older voters, he's got a lot of fans, and people are glad he's he's running. But they talked to this one guy who's a Trump voter, who's tired of Trump. He's thinking he'll caucus with the Democrats this, uh, this time around. And they said, so why do you think he's runner? What do, what's, what's his thing? Well, and he says, well, beaten Trump, um, of course. And then he said, and I quote, well, part of me wants to think he cares that much about America, which is all kind of vague and wishy-washy, yes. and I'm telling you. And this is why we live in the age of hyperbole, constant hyperbole, politically speaking. Some vague notion that somebody wants the best for America does not get people to show up on election day. Right. You got to have people terrified or wildly enthused or, or something like that. So, well, I, I suppose we'll all find out together in uh, a year from November. Yep. God, somebody's got to remind me of that <laughs> when I start talking about the election. I am so sorry. Marshall, what's today's news? All right. We are hearing about a drawdown of U.S. troops in Afghanistan. CBS News national security correspondent David Martin is confirming that in 135 days, the U.S. will go down to 8,600 troops in Afghanistan as part of a deal signed with the Taliban. That is more than 5,000 troops pulling out of that country. Now, a lot of this is going to depend on the outcome of peace talks between the Taliban and the Afghan government. President Trump would have to sign off on any withdrawal plan. News of the possible deal, though, is coming as violence is really spiking in Afghanistan. More than a dozen people are reportedly dead after another Taliban suicide attack in the Afghan capital of uh, Kabul. I despise the Taliban and everything they stand for, but they're in a heck of a good position. 
I mean, they can wait and wait and wait as yep. they have the countryside and will not lose it. Unless we send in 150,000 troops, for the love of God, and even then it would be a temporary pushing them back. So they've got nothing but time, and they they can just keep blowing stuff up and making it more and more painful not to come to a deal. They don't have to follow any rules. So again, I despise them, but they're in a good spot. Meanwhile, the Department of Defense releasing the name of a soldier killed last week in Afghanistan. Officials announcing... Sergeant First Class Dustin Ard died on August the 29th from the wounds he received while engaging in combat operations. So as it is, the war drags on and on and on. Meanwhile, you got President Trump saying, eh, China, you should not wait for the 2020 U.S. election before getting serious about these trade negotiations. Trump was tweeting that a new deal between the U.S. and China will be a lot tougher if he is reelected without one already in place. As the uh, trade war escalates, Trump is saying the U.S. is doing very well in the negotiations, arguing China would love to be dealing with a new administration so they could continue the practice of ripping off the U.S. Trump suggesting He's absolutely correct about that. Trump suggesting China will suffer much more than the U.S. as the trade war continues. I guarantee you, Xi Jinping, who's a, a hard-ass and a smart guy, he sees those polls where Trump loses to the various Democrats. Now, those are misleading because it hasn't even begun yet. Right. Um, but he sees that and he thinks, what, it's a year and a half? Please, I'll wait. I'll wait. We'll keep hamming and hawing, pretending we're working at making a deal. We won't agree to anything significant. Right. And we'll see what happens in 2020. I guarantee that's what he's doing. Turns out cancer is taking over as the leading cause of death among middle-aged adults in a number of countries. According to a a new report uh, published in The Lancet, some high- and middle-income countries are reporting deaths from cancer are now more common than deaths from cardiovascular disease. Researchers say this shift may have a lot to do with the progress made in preventing and treating uh, cardiovascular disease and not necessarily point to an increase in the number of cancer cases. Although if you're talking about middle and higher income countries, a lot of people are pointing to diet as far as what are people who have more money, what are they eating? More junk food, more sugar, these kind of things. Well, that would give you heart disease too, though. Yep, yep. Yeah, I just think, you know, the the battle against heart disease is in a little better place than the battle against cancer thus far, although, you know, they're both moving. Well, you know, it's not like cancer won, heart disease lost. Yeah, this is not cancer making a surge. This is heart disease falling back to the back. That's good. Hollywood's rallying behind Kevin Hart. He's recovering from a serious car accident over the weekend. His wife is saying, no, he's going to be just fine. What happened was Hart landed in the hospital with back injuries after Jared Black crashed Hart's car. It was a 1970 Plymouth Barracuda in the wee hours of Sunday. Black and Hart sustained back injuries were requiring treatment, though another passenger in the car was not hurt at all. Apparently, Black lost control of the car in Calabasas, California, and sent it tumbling off an embankment. Yikes. Black was not, according to police, under the influence. Kevin Hart managed to get out of the car and reportedly walked to his home from the accident site and later had to be taken to the hospital with the back injury. So he's already had surgery on his back. So anyway, 
He's uh, recovering. Dwayne Johnson, Terry Crews, Brian Cranston, all sharing their love for Kevin Hart. Wow, that's nice. That's great. I hope you feel better, Kevin. Yeah, the Hart. Add me to the list. (laughs) The Hollywood community rallying around Kevin Hart. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Thank you, Squawky. Thanks for reminding us about freedom. Enjoyed a long weekend in the D.C. area, kicking around, doing the tourist. You know what we did? We only hit one Smithsonian Museum because we were very tired. Right. Um, but we hit the National Botanic Gardens. Not botanical. It's botanic. Oh. Who knows? Uh, but really, it sounds like a real boring old guy thing to do. Right. And maybe it is. But... It, <laughs> It's this amazing collection of plants and trees and cactuses. The desert the cacti. area was just fantastic. Oh. Just wild, the variety of cactuses that exist around uh, uh, the world. Um, just desert climates right. and stuff like that. I don't know if you're into plants at all. And then they got your tropics area with you know, birds and monkey noises and stuff. Right. Piped in, phony. Right. Funny. Oh. I'm looking around thinking, I don't see any birds or monkeys. Where are those noises coming from? It's like that idiotic Masters scandal a couple of years ago where viewers recognized birds that wouldn't be in Augusta, Georgia. Wait a minute, you're busted. Uh, but it was quite good. It was a lovely walk, and I was reminded, like everything else, it's free. Oh, right. Yeah. Wow. Because Smithsonian stuff is? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, all those museums are free. Yeah. Now, I, I tell you what, and I'm begging you, get there when they open. By mid-afternoon, they are insane. Just just madhouses full of humanity surging to and fro. And right. Little kids running into you. And, and the, there are a couple of things that I'm going to demand the death penalty for uh, when I become the dictator. <laughs> I mean president. Uh, yes. Um, and one of them is people who, like, lay on or so close to the placards in museums you can't read them. <laughs> So there you go. You got some uh, caveman-looking bastard, uh, probably a Neanderthal like yes, myself. a relative. And you're thinking, wow, he's an interesting-looking chap. Look yeah. at his brow and his brown teeth. And, and But you want to read about him, but there's some idiot kid draped on it, so you can't read about the Neanderthal. <laughs> I had spent about 16 hours in D.C. once, and I didn't hit the Smithsonian's, and I really regretted it. But I, I, I hit all the other... The National Mall stuff. I went to the Arlington uh, Cemetery, which was oh, I was, an astounding experience. I was yeah. I was not prepared for what that was going to do. Yeah, were, um, you, were you working here? No, you weren't. When I uh, I yelled at somebody else's kids at Arlington National. Oh Cemetery. no, I remember you. you oh, sharing you do. Okay, yeah, 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 they were yeah. being disrespectful, and I yelled at him, um, <laughs> like a like the Neanderthal I am. <laughs> yes, uh, this fabulous fabulous display on narwhals there at the uh, Museum of Natural History. How many different Smithsonian's are there? The museums? Yeah. I don't know, 10 or 15 oh, or man. 27. I don't know. There are a lot of them. Spend a week to go to all of them. Yeah, oh, there yeah. are a lot of, lot of different museums, um, and, and they're absolutely wonderful, depending on your interests. But again, go early. So I had this idea as I'm kicking around Washington, D.C. Um, you know what? Why don't we take a break? If you pay a significant amount in taxes, you're going to love this idea. You're going to sign up for it. You're going to vote for it. The Joe Getty Tax Plan. Coming up next. Armstrong and Getty.
Armstrong and Getty Show. Here's my favorite global warming story of the day. And this big, uh, big protest in the UK, extinction rebellion, anti-global warming, climate change, the rest of it. And the uh, people who ran this festival, they had a big concert and everything. They've been busted for for running their electricity with a diesel generator. (laughs) (laughs) Organizers told the local paper that they felt like hypocrites, but had been forced to use the generator because it would have been too expensive to get a solar panel made. We're desperate to get a solar panel, said one of the organizers, specially made for the demonstrations, but it would have cost us 8,000 pounds. That's money we simply don't have. Even if we'd been able to get a solar panel made, we would have still had to have a diesel power generator as a backup. Something we really do regret having. Like, we feel like hypocrites. So let me let me get this straight. The the Extinction Rebellion people, the uh, climate change activists, didn't want to use green energy because it was too expensive and it wasn't reliable. Right. Yes. Right. When you had to count on it, you went with diesel. Good enough for your father, good enough for you. Diesel. So here's the Joe Getty tax plan. I was inspired uh, as we were watching, walking along in D.C. Um, Judy and I and our beloved daughter, Little D, and her boyfriend, uh, we were uh, hungry. And we walked, um, it was a 50 to 75 miles, I think, from one end of the mall or one part of the mall to another. And we actually went a couple of blocks past the Capitol building where people rarely go uh, because there isn't much touristy going on. It's just a neighborhood. But we ate at a place called We the Pizza, which (laughs) the reviews were quite nice uh, and they were accurate. It was very, very good pizza. Um, But uh, you ordered it by the, like, gigantic slice. Oh, yeah. And they had all sorts of different kinds, kind of gourmet-ish or, you know, your standard pizza. Right. And they heat it up for you, and it was fantastic. But we, the pizza, very good, very clever, too. But so we were walking along uh, around the Capitol, and the Capitol has an expansive lawn. And I was walking across it, kind of looking at it. And and, and I had this idea, because we were talking about taxes. And I was joking about how I really needed to start making demands, because, you know, I've, I've done okay in life, and I've paid a hell of a lot of federal income tax. And I came up with this brilliant plan. It would be so good for America. You, as a taxpayer, you pay a certain amount of federal tax. Maybe it's $5,000 during the year. Maybe it's 50000 Maybe it's 500000 depending on how much money you make, obviously. Right. Well, you, based on that level, you'd have to go on a website. You'd say, all right, for instance, I paid, I'm just going to pick a round number. Well, we could have some fun with this. All right, well, say you're you're doing really well. You made you paid a hundred thousand dollars in federal income tax, and you go on the website and you can you can pick what your tax money went to symbolically, right? And maybe it's like a mid-level employee at the Department of Labor, for instance, Joe Smith. He's the special attache to the under assistant secretary of the assistant attache. They're at the Labor Department. And Joe Smith is your guy. 
You click on that, he's your guy. You can show up in D.C. You can go to Joe Smith's <laughs> office. He's sitting there with his foot up, feet up, or he's looking at porn or something like that. You're like, whoa, hey, hey, I busted my ass all year long. The government took my money by force to pay you, and what are you doing? Nothing. You're looking at porn. And you could stand over him and make him work. Wouldn't that be great? So your new tax policy doesn't really change any of the mechanics of the tax system, but it just allows you an ability to berate politicians? <laughs> right. Well, yes. Well, yes. Civil Those servants. who are sucking up yeah. civil servants, right? right? The hilarious thing. Well, but think about how beautiful this is. Yeah. Yeah. There would be, there would be uh, accountability. Because instead of this vague notion that your money went to a million different things, you would know, at least symbolically, where it went. We were walking across the Capitol right. on, and, and, and uh, they were holding a big concert, so you had to lay there, like, routing you in narrow places. So I'm walking along, across the lawn, talking about the taxes I paid, and I thought, well, wait a minute. I know something about lawn care. I've been a suburban dad for many years. I'm a golfer, etc. I thought... I was trying to imagine what it costs to maintain that lawn. And I thought, wow, this could be my lawn. This is the Joe Getty's tax money chunk of the Capitol lawn. Between this sidewalk and the one that's kind of diagonal there, it forms this big triangle. That would be my lawn. Right. And I could show up a couple times a year and walk across it and say, hey, hey, to one of the gardener guys hooching <laughs> around. How about even an elected official at this here. point? <laughs> Look at all this crabgrass. Right. So they, you can do better than this. So or you. And I would bust out my card and I would show him oh, this is my lawn. You have a card. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, well otherwise they'd have lunatics just going everywhere oh, yeah. in D.C. And you, you wouldn't want that. And you don't sound crazy at all. Well, no, but you, I would show here, my card and the guy would say, see. oh. Mr. Getty, I'm sorry. It's an honor to finally meet you. Ah. You know, we're due for a weed and feed in a week. We're going to do it uh, at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we think this will really control the crabgrass. And perhaps they would invite you to come and view. And, right, and I would shake their hand. I would say, oh. I appreciate the effort. Yeah. You know, I was griping about the crabgrass, but it is nice and green. So <laughs> I want to. It's obviously, you know, been well fertilized, and also, you boys keep up the good work. And right. they would, they would, they would get together at the end of the day, and they'd say to the other guys, "You know who stopped by? The taxpayer who who's this lawn this is." The guy who finances all of our jobs. And he said, nice job. And they'd high five. And maybe I'd slip them a 20 to go buy themselves a beer or something. I'm telling you, this would fundamentally improve government <laughs> services in America. Of course, the only downside of this was it would take an enormous bureaucracy to run that program. And they probably would not be answerable right. to the taxpayers at all. Hello, this is Robert Blake, my cockatoo Fred, sitting on my shoulder. You guys, you're the show that I like so bad. Now, final thoughts. See, here's my problem with that. Nobody was looking for Robert Blake reset. Robert Blake's not in the news. Is he even alive? Nobody cares. Where did that person? come from? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's a giant movie star. Right. What? what? Idiot. Uh, let's get a final thought from everybody on the squad. There he is, Marshall Phillips. Marshall, your final thought? You know, i got to tell you, I am glad I made it through this morning. I didn't sleep much last night because I have a toothache. Oh. And I am going to go have it taken care of within minutes. Oh, good, good. I'm glad they're seeing you. Michelangelo, pressing the buttons in the control room. Final thought? Uh, just watch out for Hurricane Dorian. Be careful if you're anywhere east of Phoenix. Board up your house. 
Uh, positive, Sean. Final thought for us. Uh, it looks like it's a big dentist day for the uh, the Armstrong and Getty crew, as Better. I, too, am headed off to the dentist to go lie about how often I'm flossing. Wow, good. <laughs> Very good. Super. Yeah, about every... Why are you bleeding so much, then, they'll uh, say to must you. Must have been your technique. I ate glass last night. <laughs> uh, Jack is off uh, dealing with a family dealio. Everything's uh, fine, but he's got to be away. My final thought is... Maybe you're paying the, the salary for some private in the Army. You'd get to see how he's doing. You could write him letters encouraging him. Tell him, work hard, do a good job. Make sure you do all your push-ups and I your like boots are, are polished because I'm paying your salary. And he could, you know, let you know where he's going and what his duties are and that sort of thing. I'm telling you, people would care about the way government is run. And that is my plan. is why I'm running for president in 2020 like everybody else. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's good. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios. Mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed. Is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? How they... come you don't talk like this? Sir? He, she's a bastard, a pasta. Armstrong and Getty.